You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. So we are celebrating Easter, uh, Easter, Easter sorry, my brain again, um, Advent, <laughs> and uh, one of the ways that is celebrated is by having a wreath that uh, basically uh, shows every week of the four weeks before Christmas, and every week we light a different candle. Last week we started this, and we lit the first one. You can see which one is it, the smaller one, which is the, the candle that symbolizes hope. And we talked about the hope that the prophecies of Jesus bring to all of us um, we spent some time in Isaiah, and that was last week. This week, we're lighting the second candle, and it's uh, the candle that is called uh, faith, or some people call it the Bethlehem candle because it's, it's the, the candle that symbolizes the journey that Mary and Joseph took from Nazareth to Bethlehem and the faith that it required. Um, so we're going to continue next week. We're going to light the third, uh, that's uh, the peace candle, and then the last one is going to be the joy candle, which will be the pink one. And then during our Christmas Eve service or Christmas Day service, depending on where we meet, we will light the last candle, which is the middle one, to celebrate Jesus' birth. So today we will, we will be focusing on faith, and our text for this morning is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So if you have a Bible, please open it with me. And... Um, just as a reminder, Advent is a season that helps us prepare uh, uh, for Jesus' coming. Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus that actually means uh, coming or arrival. So we are getting ready for the incarnation of uh, Jesus Christ as a baby. And um, before we start, let me go ahead and pray. And if you don't mind, I'm going to pray in Spanish because my brain is not working real well today. Um, uh, Señor, te doy gracias por esta mañana. Te pido que bendigas eh, la palabra que tú traes para nosotros por medio de, de tu escritura, Señor. Te pido que tu Espíritu Santo nos hable, que tu Espíritu Santo traiga eh, aliento, que nos confronte, pero que también traiga vida y nos moldea la imagen de tu Hijo Jesucristo a cada uno de los que estamos aquí. Te lo pido en el nombre de Jesús. Amen. All right. So um, let's go ahead and read our text. Chapter 2 of Luke, verses 1 through 7. And it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while we were there, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them 
in the inn. So we have only two accounts of the story of Christmas in the Bible. One of them is in Matthew, and the other one is in Luke. And uh, it's really interesting because they both complement each other. Uh, there's people who believe that they're contradictory, but they're actually, if you look at them chronologically, they are very complementary to each other. And um, if we actually place the verses that we just read between Matthew 1 and Matthew 2, it fits perfectly. So um, let me just go ahead and read Matthew 1. The last uh, verse is, which is 24. And then imagine that you insert these seven verses in after, right after that, and then I'll read Matthew uh, 2, and you will see that it actually sort of picks up after they arrived to Bethlehem. So Matthew 1, 24, the last uh, verse from chapter 1 of Matthew says, When Joseph woke, woke from sleep, remember, an angel appeared to Joseph and told him about Jesus and, and, and Mary. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, verse 25, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That's, that's where Matthew leaves that story. And then chapter 2 of Matthew says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and then we can insert before that the story of Luke, and it complements, it gives us all the details that Matthew does not give us. So that's where our... our um, so our sermon lies. There are a few things that this account of Matthew provide for us. Um, it gives us a lot of details. Some of the details that we see in this account is uh, that they travel to Bethlehem. This is something that Matthew doesn't tell us. Uh, it also highlights the fact that Mary was pregnant during this trip. Uh, this is where we get the story of them not finding a place to spend the night during Jesus' birth. Uh, the story of Jesus uh, being born in a stable comes from this account. We're not 100% sure whether he was born in a stable or not because he was put in a manger, which was a feeding trough. That's where we uh, get the idea that he was born in a stable. And Coupled with that, he, they didn't find a place for him to sleep uh, or spend the night, so we, uh, people assumed that he was uh, born in a stable. But we're not exactly sure if that's accurate, so no need to change anything. It's just an estimation. The Bible doesn't specify anything. But um, that's, what, that's what Luke's story tells us. Another, things that we'll, another thing that we will see later is that uh, the angels appearing and, and praising Jesus also come from Luke. Uh, the shepherds coming and praising Jesus also comes from Luke. And the, the, one of the typical elements that Matthew provides for us is the wise man. That's entirely in Matthew. But uh, most of what we know of the story of Christmas is mostly grounded on Luke. So what is it that we see today? We see in our text uh, that Joseph and Mary take a trip to Bethlehem from Nazareth. And we will see that this takes some faith on their part. Even though we don't see the actual word faith in this text, we actually see a really good representation or display of faith in what they do. And we will highlight a little bit of why I think that's the case. But before I, I jump to the story, I just want to define what faith is for us. So when it comes to biblical faith, 
there is a difference between what we assume today in our language, and this is also the case in Spanish, English or Spanish, what faith is. Typically, when we think of faith, we think of an emotional or intellectual assurance, a conviction, right? We trust into, in something. But typically, when we think of faith, we don't necessarily relate it to action. We sometimes think that faith is sort of an idea, an abstract concept. But the reality is that biblical faith is not necessarily that. I see why we come to that conclusion. And in fact, we can uh, somewhat say that the Bible teaches that if you, for instance, go to the definition that everyone uses for faith that is found in Hebrews 11, we see that it actually says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So if you take that that verse by itself, you can say, yeah, this is, the, this is faith. It's just a conviction. It's an assurance. It's something that I hope for. But the idea is that, or, or what we see in Hebrews is that even though this is a definition that we are given, the rest of the chapter, not only 11 and 12, relates faith to action. And this is actually a better way to comprehend faith throughout Scripture. If we continue to read verse 11, uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews and even 12, we will see that the Bible or the, the, the author of Hebrews actually relates faith to every single person, person he names and an action they do. For instance, if we continue reading in, in, in Hebrews 11, we will see that by faith, Abel offered an acceptable action. A sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up because he pleased God. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Sarah conceived. By faith, Moses acted, and so on. The idea behind faith is not just a concept, but actually a concept that moves to action. And that is actually how it's managed or how it's told in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for faith is Uh, And that is uh, a a word that implies action. For the Hebrews, the the, the concept of faith was not just an idea of something you agreed with or a concept you had. It was something that moved you. It was a conviction that moved you to action. This is why we see in the New Testament that we are always added an action when we see the term faith. Every time we see the word faith appears, it is always next to an action. And the author of the book of James basically tells us why. Because faith without works is what? Is dead. So basically, when you think of faith, it's thinking of fire. And you don't, fire and heat are not necessarily two different things. We could probably separate them, but they're part of the same. Faith is not just you or me having a conviction. Biblical faith is acting upon a conviction. It's a fire that produces heat. It is part of the same thing. And what we see in this text today is exactly that. We see Joseph and Mary both getting a vision from an angel, God himself speaking to them about the Messiah being born, and them acting upon this. They just, they, they don't only say, okay, I get it. Thank you for letting me know. I'm going to keep doing my life the way I was doing it. No, they take action. They act upon the promise, 
of the Messiah coming through them because biblical faith means acting on our convictions. So let me highlight a few of the things I see that required faith from Mary and Joseph. And you, I'm pretty sure you would agree with me. The first thing is that Joseph acted on faith or had faith because he actually accepted Mary as his wife, right? And we've, if you've been a Christian, you've probably heard about this. And this was even harder back then. We didn't have the ability to make a DNA test or make any other testing or confirm anything else. An angel appeared to Joseph, and he said, Mary has a, has a baby, and it's from God. And Joseph said, okay. And he accepted Mary. Now, if you think about that, that's super hard. Any of us who are married, uh, we would be very suspicious about that. Either, was that really uh, an angel? Is that really uh, from God? Uh, we would not be so trusting. But Joseph took a step of faith, and he took Mary as his wife, even though she was already pregnant. In fact, the account of Matthew tells us that Joseph was getting ready to get rid of divorce Mary silently. But then the angel appeared to him, and he took a step of faith and took Mary as his wife. Then Mary also took the risk of accepting this and coming up with the news. And as a woman, you can't just show up to somebody and be like, I'm pregnant and it's from God. And back then, especially, you would have been stoned or you would have been in trouble. But Mary took the risk of saying, I know this sounds crazy. An angel appeared and the angel said, I am pregnant and it's God himself inside of me. Mary took the risk of being uh, stoned or rejected by Joseph. She acted on faith. Not only that, today we see that there was uh, a census that happened and they all traveled to the place where uh, Joseph was from and they traveled with a baby inside of Mary. I don't know why they did that exactly. I probably would have said, I'm not going to do it. But do you know that it was 100 miles? It probably took him about a week to get there. And I've seen my wife pregnant four times, and she doesn't want to take trips at any point in her pregnancy. And it is clear that Mary was in the third trimester, probably the last part of the third trimester, and she took a journey to another uh, city that took about three to four days or more, and it actually happened. What everybody feared happened. What is it that we all fear? Well, what if you have the baby on the road? Well, she almost did. She got the baby right when she got there. And then the other thing that everybody fears, because back then you couldn't do arrangements or you couldn't call ahead and say, hey, my wife and I are coming. Please keep a, a room for us. No, you had to get there. And then you had to find a place, most likely with a, f a family member. And they arrived there. Mary was having a baby in that moment, and they could not find a place to have the baby. That is faith. It's not a conviction. It's not just an idea that you have. It's not just saying, okay, I'm going to have a baby, and it's from God. The angel said, I'm just going to stay in my house and not say anything to anyone. That is not faith. They acted upon that word. They took steps. They took risks upon that word. Because biblical faith is not only 
thinking or believing. It's acting upon your belief or conviction. And this is, this is hard for us to hear sometimes because we typically believe as Christians that when God says something to us, it's going to be easy. Tell me the truth. If you've been a Christian for a while, and this is something that I struggle with my, my whole life, I still struggle with it, is that we believe that if God's will, if we know that something is God's will for us, sometimes we think it's going to bring peace. There's, there's, this, there's even this concept of like, do you feel peace about it, right? I remember people told me when I was dating Carla, do you feel peace about her? And I was like, yes, I feel a lot of peace about her. I don't know if that was your case, but th- sometimes we use, that, we use that as a metric for God's will. And I don't see that in the Bible at all. I don't see that following God's will or acting upon God's command or God's word is something that is either peaceful or easy. It's sometimes the opposite of that. And if you grab almost every story in the Bible, people who obeyed God ended up in trouble or with a really hard life. That's how it is. We have the idea that just because God says something, it's going to be easy for us to do it. And it's not. And we see Joseph and Mary. Think of this. You are, if you're a girl, imagine an angel appearing and say, you're going to have the Messiah. And you see a baby developing inside of you supernaturally. And if you're a guy, imagine that your wife is about to have the Messiah. And you know that an angel came and told you, and whatever the angel told you is happening. Still, with that, everything that you're doing gets harder. Even though God himself is inside your wife, or if you're a woman inside of you, things are not easy. They are still traveling, and it's hard. They can't find a place. They have to put the baby in a, in a feeding trough for animals. That, that is not necessarily what we think of as God's plan for our lives, right? We sometimes believe that, that just because God said it, it's going to be easy. But we need to understand that God doesn't work the way we work. We should have faith. We should act on God's word regardless of our circumstances. We should trust the word of God and have conviction on God's word even when things get hard. Just like Joseph and Mary. God always keeps his promises. God did what he said he was going to do. The angel told Joseph and the angel told Mary that he, Jesus, was going to deliver his people from sin, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. And guess what? Joseph never saw that. Mary saw a glimpse of that. Just because we don't understand it, it does not mean that God is not acting, that God is not working. We don't know. He knows. And our faith should be acting upon God's word regardless of what we see. 
because we are called to live by faith. In fact, faith is precisely the mark of the Christian. The disciple of Jesus is someone who acts by faith. Especially us who now have the full picture of the gospel, we have to act by faith. The concept of the righteous shall live by faith was first presented to the Old Testament Israel in Habakkuk. And Paul brings this up again to the Roman church and says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So presenting the gospel... Is the first thing that Paul does for the Romans. And then he says, For in the righteousness of God, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The completion of the idea of the righteousness living, living by faith, the righteous living by faith, comes to a close, or comes to a, a little, uh, not a close, but comes to light after the gospel. And you and I have the gospel. You and I are people who can live by faith because we have actually seen what they didn't see. We are called to, to live by faith because we have a fuller picture of what God was about. We've been spending some time in Ephesians and we see that the mystery that God hid from ages has now been revealed to us. If there's any people, anyone in the history of humanity who can live by faith even more, it's us. Because we have a fuller picture. We don't have the complete picture yet, but we have a fuller picture than Abraham and Sarah and Noah and David and Moses and the apostles and Mary and Joseph. We now know what God was doing. And we are still commanded to live by faith. Faith is the way we live. Faith is the mark of the Christian who has believed the gospel. We don't only intellectually agree with the gospel, we live by the gospel. We act based on the gospel, not only based on what we see or what we feel. In fact, we are, we are called by Paul again to say, and, we, and Paul says that we walk by faith, not by sight in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is what we see Joseph and Mary do. It is hard to do. This is the hardest thing to do. To live by faith is really hard. And in fact, it is almost impossible for us to do. But the difficulty, though, is that the Bible pushes us. The Bible tells us to have faith. In fact, it tells us so much that it basically says that without faith, it is what? impossible to please God. That's what Hebrews says. It is impossible to please God if we do not have faith, if we do not act upon the word of God, if we don't take action based on our convictions. But if we are honest, it is really hard to have faith. It is really hard. And we see that in the Bible as well. We're not the only ones who struggle. In fact, the people who walked with Jesus were rebuked constantly for not having faith. Did you know that just in the book of Matthew, Jesus tells his disciples and the people around him that they have people of little faith? 
at least five different times. The first one is in the Sermon of the Mount. When he's talking about provision, Jesus actually tells them, you don't have faith. If God clothes the, 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 the birds and the flowers, wouldn't he clothe you as well? And he calls all of us, you have no faith. Then the, the disciples are traveling uh, on, the, on the sea with, with Jesus in Matthew 8, and the storm starts to brew, and Jesus is asleep. And what do they do? They fear. They wake up Jesus, and Jesus says, you of little faith. Then in, in Matthew 16, the, the disciples just literally witness the, the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus begins to talk to, the, to them about the leaven of the Pharisees, and they get anxious, and they get worried because they think he's asking for bread. And Jesus rebukes them and said, are you still worried about bread? You just saw that I just fed 5,000 people? And you, he says, you of little faith. Then in Matthew 17, the disciples cannot cast out a demon and call, Jesus tells them again, you don't have enough faith. And then Peter walks on water when they see Jesus coming to the boat and he comes, he starts walking, then he fears, then he starts sinking and what is it that Jesus tells him? You don't have enough faith. You have little faith. We all struggle with faith. This is something we all struggle. We all have the natural tendency of distrusting. We all want to control. We all want to see first. We all want to touch first. We live in a society that doesn't trust anything. If you're going to buy something, what do you want to do? Test it. And if you buy it and it doesn't work, what is it that you are required to do? Send it back and you need a replacement. We need to make sure that things are secure for us. We don't naturally trust. And some of the reason why we don't naturally trust is because, number one, we live in a sinful society where you cannot really trust anybody. But at the same time, we can't even trust ourselves. We also lie. We are also not trustworthy. So that's why we can't trust other people. And this happens even in the best of circumstances. I remember in 2016... Uh, Caleb was born. And if, if I've ever told you the story, Caleb's arrival to our family was a year to remember. I was planting a church. We were planting a church in Mexico City. We had three, four kids in five years. Caleb was the last one. The church was starting to grow. All the other births were natural, no complications. Everything was fine. But when Caleb arrived in August of 2016, everything just changed in a matter of days. Carla was not doing well. They had to do a, an emergency C-section. Caleb was dying inside of Carla. Carla had already uh, all sorts of complications. And our lives changed in, 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 a, in one day. It was a Monday. It was a regular visit to the doctor. Carla never came back to the house for another three or four weeks. And then everything just went really south in a lot of ways financially, uh, the health of Carla, the health of the baby. I was completely absent from the church. I didn't have elders. It was just a mess. And in 2017, I got a call, and I answered the phone call, and it was supposedly my bank. And they said, you just won a trip for two people, everything paid to New York City for a week. 
And I was like, yeah, right. It was too good to be true. And I lived in Mexico, and this is common in Mexico. I did not think it was true. And they, they told me they were going to email me. They took my email. I was hesitant to give them my email. They called me back. They gave me the information. Everything kind of like was lining up. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to. They're really good at scamming you in Mexico. Um, so I was like, I don't know. So anyway, long story short, I showed up to the airport still like, I don't know if this is true. We showed up to the airport. It was true. We got on the airplane. We landed in New York City, and we were like, is this, like, what if they worked this up? Uh, so I, look, there's this guy with uh, my, a MasterCard thing that had, it, there was a, um, a Lincoln Navigator, a black Lincoln Navigator just for us, and I was like, wait a minute. This is way too, so anyway, it was true. I did not believe it. I won a trip for two people for a week. In New York City, we went to Broadway three times for free. And I was like, what is happening? But I could not believe it. Till the last second, we arrived to the, to the hotel. And I was like, I w- there was still this thing in my brain of like, is this really true? Is this really happening? And that's how we function. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a trip to New York with everything paid. It could be your own salvation. It's always, is this, am I... So should I, like, we're always hesitant, doubting. We're always thinking that we need to be in control of things. We're all like that. That's exactly how the disciples were. Some of us say, well, I wouldn't make this decision, but if God would show up and actually tell me, then I would do it. No. It's all over the Bible. God showed up in front of people audibly with angels, with signs and wonders, and they still didn't obey. Because that's who we are. The disciples saw Jesus feed 5,000 people, and they still feared that they didn't have enough bread. That's who we are. We don't have faith. So how did they do it? How did they came up with the faith. Okay. Sorry. I get scared with alarms. <laughs> Caleb is not here today, so. Even, even in salvation, we are required to have faith, but we struggle to have faith. Even for salvation, it's not, it's not enough for us just to believe as if belief is only assenting to a truth. No. We have to repent. We have to confess it with our mouths. We have to act upon the truth of the gospel. So how do we get faith? How did Mary and Joseph get faith? How is it that the, the coming of Jesus Christ brings us faith? How did Abel and Noah and Abraham and Moses and everyone else had faith? And the response is that God gives us the faith freely. The faith is in God. The faith lies and and exists in God. We have access to the faith all the time, and God provides the faith. The Bible actually tells us many different ways in which we can acquire or get faith. For instance, in Romans 10, we are told that faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. In Galatians 5, we are told that faith is a fruit of the Spirit. 
In, in, in Luke 11, we are told that faith is something we can acquire if we ask for it. It's something that we can practice and get strength in, according to Luke 17. It's something that could be increased as well, according to Luke 22. And we're also told that in Hebrews that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. God is the source of our faith. We lack our faith, but we have access to the author. We have access to the guy, to the God who gives the faith. And God wants all of us to have faith. And he continues to show that he wants to provide this faith for us. He wants to provide the faith for us to get saved. And he wants to provide the faith to, for us to walk daily. And he wants to provide the faith that we need in every circumstance. Even when we don't ask for that faith. The faith that we need for salvation was provided for us without us even asking for it or needing or knowing that we needed it. Philippians chapter 2 actually says that we are supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. But then it actually says, because God is the one who's helping you want it and work it. He is the one who's giving you the desire and he is the one who's making you do it. And that is how faith works. It's not something we come up with. My sermon today is not like, find faith and make it happen, do it. No, my sermon today is we all struggle with faith, and probably Joseph and Mary struggle with faith, but we have access to the one person, to the God, who freely gives us the faith that we need for every circumstance. Like he showed it to us in Jesus. God sent his son to us to rescue us without us even asking for it. God took the initiative to provide the spirit of God to us and bring faith to us without even asking for it. We have a God who is good and merciful and wants to bless us and he gives us the desire and he gives us the, the, the faith that we need to enjoy that blessing. That's the kind of God we have. And the story of Christmas, the Advent season, should remind us of one thing. Is that the faith we need has been provided to us in Jesus without us even asking for it. God is so good that he saves the people that do not even know they are lost. God is so good that he rescues us from our sin that we like. God is so good to us and so merciful that while we were running straight to hell, he comes down, stands in front of us, and takes us back to him. This is the kind of God we have, the God who provides the things that we don't even know we need. And one of them is faith. God sent Jesus to die for us in the form of a baby. God came and fulfilled every single promise through Jesus on our behalf, and we are the recipients of that blessing. And I just wanna, I wanna, I wanna make sure that we understand that when we think of 
Christmas, when we think of this season, we need to think of a God who's not like Santa. We don't have a God who has a list, who's checking it twice. He doesn't have a list. He doesn't give us gifts based on what we do. We have a God who gives us gifts we don't know, gifts that we don't deserve, and gifts that are beyond what we can even imagine. And that should give us hope and produce in us faith. We have a God that we can trust because he loves us, because he died on the cross for us. And this is a gift that we all have access to. So, how can we utilize the gift of, gift of faith that we have now? If you are a believer, there is faith in you. There is the Spirit in you who provides faith for you. And I want to say that we can utilize that faith for not only salvation, but also for our daily living. We can imitate now Joseph and Mary and act upon our convictions because we have a God who loves us. We have faith not only for the eternal and ethereal things. We have faith that God gives us for the daily things. We need to believe and act on a God who loves us. We need to believe and act on the word of a God who is always with us. We need to believe and act on the word of God because he protects us, because he hears us, because he cares for us today. And Jesus is the proof of that. I know that the holidays and the season of Advent for some of us is very exciting. Maybe you have good memories, but many for, uh, for a few of us is not a nice or a good season, especially those who are going through difficult times. And I want to I wanna encourage all of us to, again, continue to put our hope and our faith in the God who is with us, in the God who sent his son to die for us, in the, in the, in the God who cares for us deeply. This is the promise that God has given to us, that he will be with us this season. And let me read to you. I want to end by reading to you this, this, uh, this verse. And I hope this provides hope and faith to all of us. This is the God who loves us. Now, in all these things, whatever you are going through right now, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.